Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Hope Church. Good morning. Good morning. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you could join us this morning. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Reuben over here um, is also a co-pastor together. God has led us down this incredible journey of being one family with two languages, and so we got to do these two services but even though we got two languages, we know that we have one hope in Jesus Christ, in one spirit. So praise the Lord for that. Um, boy, I'm excited about this morning because our theme, as we've been going through Ephesians, has been in the strength of his might. And we're going to get into the passage that has that source, where, where we got that in the strength of his might comes from the passage we're about to get into. And that is... Incredible news that we can live in the strength of his might uh, because, boy, there's some things that are bigger than me that are in this life. A lot of things that are bigger than me. And as a, as a dad, especially, uh, still in that season of life where I'm raising children, um, the world isn't what I was, uh, what it was when I was young, and I'm sure it wasn't then what it was when my parents were young. It's changed, and there's, there's new challenges, and there's new difficulties to navigate in raising our children. So for sure, as a dad, I'm dependent on the strength of his might, and so I'm excited about what we're what we're getting into. But regardless of where you're at, a father raising kids, a family raising kids, or just facing what life has in front of you, in health, in job. What are, what are the situations that are in front of you that are, that are difficult, that are a struggle? This morning, God is gonna show us how to walk in the strength of his might, that it's not in our strength, and it's not what we think it is in the struggle of what we're struggling against. Open with me into the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. We have just finished going through relationships as God has designed them in the body. Um, and now we get to the word finally. We are finally getting to the end of this book. We've actually got this week and next week. Um, and then the following week is the One Hope service, and I hope that you can be a part of it. Uh, we've done that once before, where we gathered English and Spanish, the whole of what is the Family of Hope Church together for the first service, um, and on child dedications, they're celebrating family together, doing communion together. Um, and then in the second hour that would normally be this, the Spanish service, we just have potluck, and we fill up that room in there with food. And so we wanted to do a take two on that. We'd, every quarter, we're, we're planning to do a One Hope service and just celebrate what God is doing in this family as a whole. So I hope that you can be a part of that. All right, verse 10 in chapter 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There you go. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your strength. Thank you that we can, we can stand firm in you. God, as, as we dig into this passage, I pray that you would just also dig into our hearts so that we can see where we are not standing firm in you. And as we face whatever it is, each one in this room is facing something different, God, but we know that, that you are there and every resource has been given to us in you to face whatever is in front of us. So God, open our hearts to your word. I pray that your truth would penetrate to the deepest parts of our heart. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Right off the bat, it is not going to be in my strength. How many times when I'm facing, struggling in any circumstance that I'm digging into how I'm going to face that circumstance? Or maybe I'm saying, well, this struggle would, would go away if what? If I changed the jobs, if this part of the circumstance went away, if this health issue went away, that, that, that now the struggle would somehow completely disappear. I would no longer have a struggle in my life. But what does it say the struggle comes from? It's not flesh and blood. It's not that person you're struggling with. It's not, it's, it's not who we see in our minds an enemy. Who, who is that person in your life that is a struggle? It could be someone you love very dearly. It could be somebody that you just don't know hardly at all. They're at work and they're just bent on making your life miserable. Whatever it is, who is that person? What this is saying is that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but what is it against? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Is it talking about the President of the United States, the police? No. This is rulers, authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle is a spiritual one, and it's saying in every case, there is a spiritual battle, a real spiritual battle that's going on. And so we need to open our eyes to who the enemy is. It's not that person that I'm struggling with. That's not the enemy. The enemy is not seen. Now the effects of the enemy are seen, very much so. But where it's coming from, the struggle, where it's coming from is in a spiritual place. So what does he tell us to do? Put on the whole armor of God. He says that twice, the whole armor of God. Are we putting on the whole armor of God? This morning, I wanna ask us some questions. So, so as I'm looking through, and, and, and what we're gonna go through is the armor of God, all the pieces of the armor of God. And, and what, what that's about is is Paul's look, drawing an analogy from something that was very present at that time. Roman soldiers were right there. And so, and so the, the armor of a soldier uh, is something he could just draw from and say, here, I'm going to take these pieces. And, and all of this that we're going to be going through is stuff that we can pull back from Ephesians and everything he's been covering. This is God's provision for us to stand strong against the enemy. And I want to ask us some questions this morning. I'm asking myself these questions. 
As we're going through this armor, am I actually taking up this armor that God has given me? And so the first question is, is right there, it says at the, in 13, take, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Have I done all? That's the first question. Have I done all? Do I even know what all is? Do I know everything that God has given me? As I'm sitting here with whatever that struggle is that, that's before me, what, whatever struggle came to your mind as, as you considered in your own life what that is, are you reaching into the provision that God has given you to face that struggle? Because he's saying that struggle isn't just flesh and blood. Behind that is a spiritual battle, and, and you need what he has given you. I remember watching the news when the hurricane was about to hit the shores of New York. And they, they were doing all with every provision that they had to prepare for the storm that was coming. They were, they were taking the plywood and, and putting it over windows, and, and they were putting up sandbags for, for any kind of water. And it, they took everything they had. If, if we could see the storms that the enemy is, is bringing against us, would we be more apt to, to dig into the provision that God has given us to stand against what that is. So have I done all? God has given us every provision in the armor of God. So let's dig into the armor of God. The first is in verse 14. It says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. What is the truth? Jesus was praying for his disciples in John 17, 17, and he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God defines truth because he spoke everything that is into existence. It's by his word that, that he spoke things into existence. And now what we have in the Bible here is what the Spirit of God has brought, the word of God through, through man inspired by the Spirit to write down the word of God. And so we have God's word, which is truth. What is the truth that we've been learning as we've been going through Ephesians? Ephesians 1, we, we, we saw God's plan, his love towards us. As I'm looking into God's word, into God's truth, I see, I see a God who loves me, who before the foundations of the world knew me, and he... And he, and he purposed to adopt me as his child. And he sent his son to die for me and, and love me. And, and he has this purpose in my life to make me holy and blameless before him. We saw that in chapter one. And in chapter two, we saw from our perspective how from the beginning of my life, I, I was born into sin. I, I was dead in my sin and trespasses. I was, I was following the prince uh, of the air of this world. That the, those that are battling against us that, that's the one I was following. I was considered part of the sons of disobedience. And then we hit that, that verse in chapter two that said, but God, while we were dead in our sins, he loved us. He sent his son for us. He died for us. So that now through faith in Jesus Christ, that, I look in here and that, that truth, that truth that, that my sins have been paid for on the cross, that now God has, 
that I am his workmanship and, and created for good works in, in Christ Jesus, that God prepared beforehand, that I should walk in them. He's got this plan for my life. That's truth that I'm wrapping around my waist. And as I consider this church that I'm a part of, it told us the truth that God has not, not just brought peace to his chosen people, Israel, but peace to everyone else, us, the Gentiles. And, and, and in Christ now, both of us have peace with God. And so he's broken down that hostility so that, so that we are a new people in Christ. And, and this truth that God is building his body, the church. He's building a building. Uh, that was the end of chapter two. That's on this foundation laid by the apostles and prophets, the cornerstone being Jesus himself, but it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that God's building up this dwelling place for God. That's the truth. I, I, I need to know the truth of who I am, of who God is, of what God's purpose is for me and what God is doing with me. And we saw God, God's purpose that every single person in this body has a role, a part in the body. And he wants us to walk worthy of him. And, and he's given these roles uh, for our good, for, for the health of the body, that, that each of us has this, this role of love and truth towards each other. And, and I need to understand that every morning, what my purpose is, what God's purpose is in my life. Are you looking into the word of God? My quest, second question for us this morning. Do my mornings include God's word? Do you desire the word of truth? Turn with me to Psalms 119 and verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word, your truth? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments, your commandments found in the word of God. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth that are true. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Do we delight in the word of God? I tell you, church, that every aspect of the armor of God depends on God's word and the Holy Spirit. We can't begin to put on the armor of God if we don't have the word of God. And so the question, do my mornings include God's word? Why, why do I say mornings? See, if I'm talking about the discipline of, of, of even just reading from God's word or, or hearing from God's word, just meditating on God's word, it's, it's good to have any time. If you don't have God's word in your day, if you can add it in the evening, that's great. That's, that's actually really good. Do that. But when I'm considering this in the context of spiritual battle, that we have an adversary that, that we are constantly against, that we don't see. 
And if the word of God is important for me to even get ready, when, when they put that belt on with, with, with the, what I understand of a Roman soldier, that was to just kind of cinch up their undergarment so that they were ready to put everything on. They couldn't move well without, without kind of flowing all over the place. They needed to put that belt on to cinch it up so they're ready for action. We can't even begin to be ready. It's like if in the morning I haven't meditated on God's word and my mind is not in the right place, it's, it's like I'm going to work in my pajamas, right? I, I'm not getting dressed in the armor. I'm going to battle in my pajamas. I'm not getting dressed. So that's why I say the question, is there some part, even if it's the smallest thing, is there something to set our mind? It could be even when the alarm goes off, that the first thing you do, I'm meditating on the Lord. If there's, if there's scripture that I've memorized, that I'm recalling that from memory. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, it has a verse of the day. Maybe that's the first thing, because we tend to pick up our phone as the first thing we do. And, and it's notifications, anything come in during the night. Maybe the first thing that you look at when you pick up your phone is what is the verse of the day? And stop and meditate on it. Knowing that is truth. We're about to go out into a world where truth is relative. Truth is whatever you want it to be. And the enemy uses that. He uses the wishy-washiness of, oh, the truth for you, truth for me, to attack and to destroy and to deceive. It's vitally important. Do my mornings include God's word? And to be honest, for much of my life, uh, there's been a lot of mornings that didn't include God's word. It's not an easy discipline. And I don't want you to feel condemnation like, oh man, I'm not a good Christian because David just said every morning is supposed to include God's word. No, I wanna encourage you to tap into what God has given you as a resource. And hopefully this morning as we dig into this, we can see more how important that is because that's part of the struggle. Is it really that important? It's more important than breakfast, I can tell you that. But we need to understand that in our heart. Once it's important in our heart and we realize how desperately we need it, then we'll go to it. All right, we've done one piece of armor. I'm doing on the time there. Okay, we're good. We put up these curtains on the side and I've got just one spot where I can see that clock. Praise the Lord. All right, secondly, rabbit trails. All right. Still in verse 14, after saying, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. This, this is not uh, the righteous, not talking about the righteousness that I have before God. See, when I put my faith in Christ, uh, Christ forgave my sins. And now I can boldly enter the presence of God because I have his righteousness on me. And I think, I think that's, that, that's part of this, but this is a practical practice that we're actually putting something on. This is dealing with, uh, if we go back into Ephesians in multiple places, there in chapter two, where it's saying that, that he's, he's, uh, we're his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus that God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. It's walking in those good works is not... It, it's not only that we become holy and blameless to enjoy a relationship with God, which is an amazing thing, but it's also provision against the enemy. Do you see God's purpose in that? 
that when we're walking in what he has us to do, that his righteousness is being put on, and now when the enemy tries to bring accusation against the elect, they're able to stand firm. There's so many ways we can look at this. When, later when he says to walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. When he's saying, I want you to be united in the spirit. This is putting on the righteousness of God, what, what he has given us. We, we saw in Ephesians where it was saying, put off the old man, put on the new. Who, what am I putting on the new? I'm putting on Christ. And in that context, we looked at just the abundant life that is in the new that we're putting on. It's not that death that was at the beginning of chapter two, but it's life, real life from Christ that we're putting on. That's that righteousness. Put on the righteousness of God. And if, if we're holding on to sin, we learned that also. Look with me. Um, in Ephesians chapter four. This is in the context of putting off the old, putting on the new. And in verse 26, it said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? And give no opportunity to the devil. See, we can't hold on to sin. We can't hold on to anything that, that, that's the, the unrighteousness, because that's, that's a foothold for the enemy. He will use that. And so one of the pieces of armor is to say, look, I have given you a way to walk. And if we look past everything that was given to us in Ephesians, especially this area right there, in the end of chapter four, walk this way. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the abundant life that I have for you. And you'll be able to stand against the enemy because he won't be able to bring accusation against the elect. So the question with this one, and I'll explain the connection, but the question for my own life and putting on the righteousness of Christ is am I submitting to Jesus Christ? I consider my life, in whatever struggle I'm in, am I actually intentionally looking to my Lord and Savior Jesus and submitting to him in it? It will almost always require stepping down my pride in order to do that. Am I submitting to Jesus Christ? We saw for all of the relationship passages, this key verse back in verse 21 of chapter five, and we can look at that again Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, when I'm submitting to Christ, when, when, I, when the, that word we saw before, reverence is literally the fear of Christ. When, when I'm submitting to Christ, that's going to lead to me submitting in my role. What has God placed me in? Where has God placed me as husband, as wife, as father, as child? Am I submitting to Jesus Christ? That's not always easy. It can be very uncomfortable to basically feel like I'm losing the battle that's right in front of me. 
but it's because my Lord has said, don't try to win that battle. To put myself in a position of vulnerability because my Lord has said, you don't need to protect yourself there. I'm protecting you. Am I submitting to Jesus Christ? All right, the next one. In verse 15, chapter 6. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Gospel of peace. We've seen that before. That, that, was, that was chapter 2. The, the God, God made peace with us. He made peace with, with, with Israel. He, made, he, he broke down hostility. We're called to peace. We're walking in peace. We're walking worthy. I believe that was in, in chapter, uh, chapter 3. Not my mind. No, that's chapter 4. Walk, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That, it's in peace. If you look at the end of that section, it's, we're, we're to be peacemakers. It is a gospel of peace. But what is it saying to take up? It's saying to take up the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is that readiness? How do I put on readiness? Well, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Another place we see readiness. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's peace giving the reason for the hope that's in me. We speak that to each other. We speak that to those that are outside the church, that are in the church. Are you ready? Here's a question for myself. Am I ready to give an answer? An answer for the hope that is in me. When people ask, why are you different? Why are you still smiling? Everyone at work is not smiling anymore, but you're still smiling. Are you ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you? Have you ever had to answer that question about who is this guy, Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does that mean? Are you ready? Are you prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you? The gospel has given us peace, and it has transformed our lives. That's going to show. And God wants us to be a light to those around us. Are you ready to give an answer? Am I ready to give an answer? All right, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. If I'm at that time looking at a Roman soldier, the word for shield there is the large shield. It's about four feet high, it's made out of wood, and it's covered in leather, and they would soak that leather in water, so literally flaming darts could not penetrate that shield, and they could duck down behind that giant shield and be protected. So we're to take up that shield of faith. Faith in what? Well, it's found in this book. It's the promises of God. 
Faith in the promises of God. Do we know the promises of God? When we talked about the, the, the foundations of Hope Church in, in the letters of hope, H-O-P-E, H was hearing with faith, hearing the word of God and trusting it to be true. And what did we find in God's word that happens when we do that is that the spirit of God enters that in power. When we hear God's word and we trust it in faith. So are the, what promises of God are you trusting as you're preparing for your day? This is something we need to be doing is reaching into the promises of God that we know, searching for promises of God. How can I know that that promise is for me? How can I as a pastor go back? One of my favorites is Isaiah 41.10. Look at that real quick. Isaiah 41.10. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Well, he's talking to Israel right there. How can I look at that and say, I, I believe that, Lord. I'm going to trust that in my life. It's important for us to understand because we can. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 19, it says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. In Christ, that's how I can look into the Bible and, and see the promises of God and say, Yes, Lord, I trust this as your promise towards me. The promises of God, and, and, and as we're looking in, do, do, you, do you know promises of God? Are they written in your house? Are they, are they in your memory? Are you digging and searching for promises specifically so that in that time when, when the devil is, is shooting those darts, figuratively, we feel them in a whole different way. But we can reach into the promises of God and say no. Hebrews 13. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's that? That's actually Hebrews, New Testament, reaching back to Deuteronomy to grab a promise. See, there it is. It's a promise to who? To Joshua. As Moses has died and now Joshua is to lead the Israelites into the promised land... God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrews, it's pulling from that promise and saying, don't worry about what you have, about things, about what you need. Why? Because the promise that God said, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I can, I can grab those promises and say, in Christ, those are for me now. So are we taking up the shield of faith and trusting the promises of God in our life to whatever is before us? All right, finally, 
in verse 17. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Those go together, I think, even though they're two parts of the armor. And that Greek word for take is different. Verse 17, taking the helmet of salvation, uh, actually before that in 16 and earlier, the take up Greek word had to do with picking up to use something, right? This word for take has to do with receiving something. I had picture the Lord Jesus saying, here, salvation. Hear the word of God. Receive this. The salvation similar to the... Uh, what was it? Similar to righteousness. The salvation is not, not my eternal salvation. See... My eternal salvation is set. We saw that at the beginning of Ephesians. When we put our faith in Christ, then the Holy Spirit put his seal upon our life, guaranteeing our inheritance with God. That's already done. But then what we see through the book of Ephesians is, is everything we talked about, that we need to walk worthy, that we need to walk in the good works that God has prepared for us. And, and in that, the Holy Spirit is working in us to renew our minds to replace lies that we believe with his truth, to change what we're doing, to, to actually be able to put on that shield of righteousness, to have a life that, that Satan's not gonna be able to poke holes in because we're living rightly. That's salvation, that's continuing. Receive that from the Lord. And how, how does God accomplish that in our lives? It's through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So then in this too, it says, receive the helmet of salvation. That's, the, that's that sanctifying work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And receive the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Am I receiving the word of God? Who is wielding the sword of the Spirit? It's the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit wielding the sword of the Spirit. This is not like, okay, now I've got this thing, and we'll, we'll talk about how we do use the word of God, uh, um, in action, but it is the Spirit of God that wields the sword, the Word of God. So look real quick at the, uh, at, in Hebrews chapter 4. The first target that the Spirit uses the sword is on us. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Why does the spirit dig into the deepest recesses of our heart with the word of God? It's to expose lies that we believe and replace them with his truth to save us. That's the helmet of salvation. Guarding our minds, the Spirit of God taking the word and first using it on us. What's the other way that we also see the word of God being used kind of like a sword is Jesus' temptation. How did Jesus answer the attacks of the devil? How do we answer the attacks when he comes at us? It's worth the word of God. 
But even then, I believe it is the Spirit of God that best wields the Word of God in those moments. And it's right there in the prayer. Um, we're gonna get into that next week, but the, the prayer that, that Paul says, pray for me, that I would open my, that I would have words to speak as I open my mouth. So here's the question. Am I receptive to the Spirit? The Spirit of God is right there. Power of God within us. And, and presuming that we've been reading and taking in the Word of God, that is the sword that the Spirit can use in our life and against the enemy. Are we doing any, everything that we can to trust? Say, Holy Spirit, not me, you. I need God, Jesus, I, I need you in my life. The struggle that's ahead of me, Jesus, I need you. Are we not just receptive, are we just praying and saying, Holy Spirit, you take over. You give me the words to speak in the moment reaching back into the promises of God and saying, just as, as Paul was able to trust you for words to speak in the moment of opening his mouth, I know that I can trust you. Hearing with faith, promises of God leading to the power of God, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. All right, I also wanted to include, even though, well, it's debatable whether it's armor or not. I don't think it's armor. Verse 18, so it is just said, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is continuing the same sentence, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. It's no longer taking up, it's no longer receiving, now it's actually an action to do. What does this soldier so equipped to stand firm with the word, with, with every provision that God has given there's this final provision, which is the greatest thing that we can do against the enemy, is to pray. And my, my last question is, am I constantly praying? For everything. If I truly believe that there's a spiritual battle behind uh, every struggle that I'm in, then why am I not praying? Am I worshiping? Am I constantly going into every situation? God, give me the words to speak. God, provide what's needed. God, I'm confessing that, that this is your ways and not mine. And so if, if things don't turn out the way I want, God, to your name be the glory. Am I constantly, constantly praying? There's nothing too big or small to pray for. Listen, church, we, we've gone through most of Ephesians now, and we've seen such an incredible, in, in this one letter that Paul wrote to, the, to Ephesus, such an incredible view of God's work and, and his purpose towards us and for us. 
And as we're, we're talking about spiritual battle, I think it's important that we recognize that the truth of the situation that we're in. See, there's battles to be had right now, but there was one battle where the decisive victory was already won, right? That was on the cross. God won victory over the power of Satan. And now Satan, in God's purpose, is still being held basically on a leash. He is subject to God. He's subject to Christ, who is the ruler over everything. God, Christ has been given power over all things. We saw that, Ephesians 1. And it's God's purpose that we saw last week even, that, that right as, as people are coming to Christ and believing in his name, that, that right there, God has a, a calling for you, right where you're at. There's people all around the world. There's people in all uh, areas of life. In, in, in high places, in low places, that God is calling right there to be a light to those around him. The enemy doesn't like that, and so this is what we find. What is our opposition? Darkness. The rulers of darkness say, no, we, we don't want that light. But, but what did Christ say? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. The victory's already been won. And we, can, we don't have to walk in fear. We have every provision. We need to make sure that we're taking up the provision that God has given us. And thus the questions to analyze our life. Am I actually using what God has given me to be able to stand strong and not be overthrown by the enemy? But the truth is, he has given us what we need. We have every provision to stand strong in the Lord and push back the darkness, not be overcome by it. So we have so much to rejoice in the Lord. So in this last song that we're gonna sing, let's just rejoice. The victory is Christ's. And even though for a time we're on assignment for the Lord among the darkness, but we're on assignment to push back the darkness and to be a light in his strength, in the strength of his might. Let's worship. God, our help comes from you. God, in your strength, your spirit that lives within us gives us strength. And God, right in the middle of Ephesians, that prayer that we would know the love of God, the love of God that is, that is more than can be known, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. God, we trust that that is your will. that your power would be made real in us, God, so that when we face things around us, we're not facing it defeated. We're not facing it wondering how can we make it through, but God, we're facing it with our eyes on you, trusting that you've got a purpose and a plan, and God, you are greater than anything that we stand against. And it's in victory, God, we know that we can walk this week in your light. God, I pray that you would show us how we can better walk in the way that you have us walk, what we can do to change in our life so that we can walk victoriously, God, because your power. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.